What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey everyone, Mad Max here, and I want to tell you about my bookie. They are the industry's leading online sportsbook and casino, and boy, do they have you covered. MLB, NBA, NFL, NHL, college ball, soccer, MMA, boxing, and more. Sign up now using the promo code ABSOLUTEDGEN. My bookie will meet you halfway up to $1,000 when you deposit. Whether you're at home or on the go, on your laptop or on your phone, it's only a few clicks away from placing your bets and making some money. Bet, win, and get paid with my bookie. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Hey everybody, Arch here, and it is Thursday after the earlier show, which means we are talking UFC. What is going on, James? I've had a bit of a, a crazy, well, I say crazy morning. I mean, I say crazy morning. I've had a crazy past couple of days, haven't I, on the uh, absolute DJ. But uh, I've been up since half five, six in the morning. And to be honest with you, mate, I'm absolutely shattered already. But that's no excuse to sort of uh, run my mouth. And here we are. Okay. That's it. You're just going to let it lie there? Well, we'll let Mason do his little intro. And then uh, I might pop up okay. with a couple of uh, names under my belt. What is going on, Mason? I'm doing well, man. As James said, it's been a interesting couple of days over on the DGENs app. There's been call-outs left, right, and centre, insults thrown. And in, even on a couple of your NBA, NF, NHL shows, there's been a few comments about us Brits. And I, I wanted to call out someone from, from one of the other shows. And I tried to call out Panther, and he didn't want the smoke. So I'm not <laughs> going to make someone fight me if they don't want to be, but I've seen Rich trying to, not not pressure Panther, but questioning him on why he doesn't want the fight. So I'm here to call Rich out. I've mm. seen on one of the shows, Max said he's done boxing competitively before. So I, I, I'll, I'll throw myself in the deep end for the challenge there. So Rich, let's go for it, brother. Oh, you're calling out Rich. I like it. <laughs> Poor Blake. Yeah, but what you got to understand about Rich is he's always he, Rich has always got an excuse at the ready. He's always got an, a reason yeah. why he's losing. It's always ready. It's it's like David Hay, isn't it, against uh, t- uh, Tony Bellew? Oh my, my toe was sore. Oh, I've got a glass ankle. And look what happened on a full camp. So yeah, I, oh, I hate one of those um, those fighters who make excuses about losing. I seen um, Max put in the the gens app that July fourth, Philadelphia. I'm going to call the shots here. July 4th, I'll let you have the date, but it's not in Philadelphia. O2 Arena, the headline fight. I'm in it. Let's go for it. (laughs) There you go. I like it. I love it. And hopefully, one of you isn't clearly winning after the first round, slips, (laughs) and it causes you to just... That was catastrophic last night, or last uh, Saturday, for Gilbert Burns. 
You think he could have won? The, you think he could have won in the first had he not slipped or no? Um, to be honest, I, I don't think he would have. He, he did a Cody Garbrandt, in my opinion. What is it? Do, yeah. Ex- extrapolate, expound on that. So, like, you know, he was he, he landed that obviously brutal overhand right, and obviously clipped Kamara Usman, and then what Cody Garbrandt did in those um, three consecutive losses is that when he saw the opportunity to finish the fight. He would use all that output in, in an attempt to get the finish. And then once your opponent gets up and is fine and he's like survived that little early pressure and that damage, he'll he'll then push forward. And then because his opponent on Burns been in this situation was tied out, that allowed Usman to sort of work the jab and then start to control proceedings. And then obviously he got the finish in the third. And I think he gassed himself out Burns after that little flurry in the first. Do you agree, Mason? Or do you think Burns had a shot? Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I don't think... I don't think Burns was going to finish him with, with that punch. It obviously rocked him a little bit, but like Usman said, that just felt like sparring because it happens thousands of times in the past and both guys were used to what what Lee was used to, what to expect from each other. I think, I think the occasion kind of got to Burns a little bit, obviously, first title fight. And again, it is against, well, they were friends for years, so I think that had to play a part in that. It sure looked one-sided in the beginning, so maybe it was just uh, Usman just letting him, you know, gas himself a bit, and taking control, which is <laughs> which is what he did. Goddamn, indeed. Yeah, and he didn't have to step on his foot. He didn't have to step on his foot. No, yeah, the king of foot stumps is no more. <laughs> or so we think. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Know. We'll see. Once a foot foot stomper, always a foot stomper. If you ask me. <laughs> All right, boys, let's get to work. We got some fights this weekend. I guess we're starting with the main event, Blades versus Lewis. James, take it away. Shemai, um, obviously, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to this one. To be honest with you, I know I've seen so many people overlook this main event. But then when you look at this fight between Blades and Lewis, obviously it's between a wrestling-heavy Blades, who is a big favorite coming into this one, mm-hmm. in my personal opinion. Well, you've got the hard-hitting fan favorite, Derek Lewis, coming off of that coming in as an underdog and coming off of an impressive win against Alenek. And to be honest, when you look at Curtis Blades' record, the only person to beat Blades is Francis Ngannou twice, who is going to fight for the heavyweight title this year. So, you know, you you can't sort of discredit Curtis Blades' achievement in the octagon because, you know, he's a beast and he's a top contender and he probably will get there. You know, he will get his shot in the near future. And you can't sort of overlook him just because he's lost twice to Francis Ngannou. I mean, if you can stand and trade against Francis Ngannou for 25 minutes, then you must be something special. And then obviously, Stipe Miocic's done that. Um, ever since then, you look at Curtis Blades, he's got 14 professional wins. Ten of them have been via former knockout, four coming via decision. He's an outstanding wrestler. Averages about you know, seven takedowns every 15, per 15 minutes. And I just think he's he's very nasty when it comes to his sort of groundwork. And if he can't obviously look for the submission, he'll probably get the, the good ground and pound because he is nasty with that TKO on the floor with his uh, heavy elbows. And on the feet, I just he doesn't have a ton of defense, you know, rather than getting in the pocket and throwing straight punches. He's continually improved in that area, might I add, in terms of the striking department, adding in some nice leg kicks. And he's quite accurate when he punches. But he has little head movement or footwork. And then when you're coming up against a guy like Derek Lewis, 
you've really got to be quick on your feet because if you've got that little head movement and that sort of shaky footwork, I can guarantee you Derek Lewis will fucking catch you. Excuse my French. <laughs> and, you know, Derek Lewis, like I said, he's a fan favourite. He's just came up with some uh, great, fantastic quotes over the last couple of years with his pipe spike interviews. He's got a huge knockout power. I think out of all of his 24 professional wins, 19 of them have come by a form of knockout. And, no matter how many rounds he's down, you look at the Volkov fight at 229, he was down all three rounds and then with 10 seconds to go, he knocked the living daylights out of Volkov. And the Black Beast, he doesn't have a ton of output. You know, he averages about two significant strikes a minute, but he tends to land one to the end, towards the end of the night and, you know, that's enough to, to, to get the job done. He doesn't usually use a ton of technique to get back to his feet from the floor and then that's very, very dangerous. When he's off the, on the floor and on off his back, he tends to sort of give up and that might be a bit harsh and a very critical of me to say that, but you look at what DC did to him when he gets tired on the mat, he sort of gives up his back and allows a submission victory for his opponent. And if he gets taken to the floor against uh, Curtis Blades in this fight, I think it's going to be a tough night at the office for Derek Lewis to try and get the fight back to the floor because you know, you, you sort of question Derek Lewis's gas tank throughout the fight and towards the later rounds. So I think this one will go past the first round, past the second, but I think if Curtis Blades gets a fight to the floor, I think he'll get it done by a ground and pound finish in the third round. But with that being said, I did touch upon Curtis Blades' lack of movement and lack of uh, footwork on the feet. So you never know, um, Curtis uh, Lewis might be able to catch him, but I'm still going to go for a Curtis Blades for a third round TKO. Third round TKO, got it. Mason? I'm really looking forward to this one. I'm a huge fan of Derek Lewis. He, I love watching him in the ring, but obviously outside post-fighting interviews, he's going to make you laugh no matter what. <laughs> but this one, I don't, I'd love to say I see him winning it, but I don't think he will. I think the wrestling of Blades is just going to be too much for him. As we've seen, I know it wasn't the most exciting fight, but Blades versus Volkov, very, very dominant in terms of the wrestling aspect and like James touched on we look at what DC did with Derek Lewis he wasn't able to do much on the floor and I don't think he's going to have too much on the ground to well I don't think he'll have anything on the ground to trouble Blades I don't think Blades will finish him I don't think yeah I don't think Blades will finish Lewis but I see Blades getting this done by a decision I just think his wrestling is going to be too dominant for Derek Lewis yeah, I do tend to agree. I think uh, I think Blades is going to win, but they're asking minus four forty, minus four forty seven for Blades. Whoa, too much. That's too high. It's too high of a price to pay. Uh, I'll, I'll be curious to see what your uh, prop bets get. We'll have to check that out in the next day or two. But uh, man, for me, it's either kind of lean. I'm leaning Derek Lewis. Uh, you know, uh, for as far as betting goes, I don't think he's going to win, so I'm not going to place a bet. <laughs> but man. But yeah, I mean, it just takes one punch, one punch, and mm. it's a it's a it's a game changer. And you know, to Lewis's credit, he has looked like he's worked on the cardio. He, he's not the out of sh- he's not the out of shape grandma he used to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's disrespectful to the grandmas out there. <laughs> <laughs> so there it is. Yeah, it looks like Curtis Blades probably takes care of business. Uh, James, what what other fight should we be looking at this weekend? <laughs> Uh, I'm very much looking forward to this one between Phil Halls and Nasruddin Amavov. 
Philip Hawes, he had two cracks via the Contender Series. Uh, he lost on his first out into Julian Marquez via knockout, but came back in some style with a knockout finish of his own in September. All 11 of his pro fights have been stoppages. So he's either obviously won inside the distance or he's obviously lost inside the distance. Seven knockouts under his belt with two submission triumphs. Or he has a, a knockout and a submission loss under his belt. He's very explosive within the wrestling department and within his strikes. I will admit he is an aggressive striker. He's got a sensational jab. It tends to follow with that powerful right hook. And when he has his foes up against the cage, that's when he'll swarm with them flurry of powerful strikes. And when he is striking, though, his head tends to set, sort of stay on the centre line. And it's sort of, in a way, like Curtis Blades. I mean, there, there is an opportunity for your opponent to catch because he's very, you know, very lackluster in terms of that movement with the head and on the feet. So his chin sometimes can be up in the air and vulnerable to getting hit. But with that being said, I just think he can be very explosive on the mat and on the feet. And I'm very much looking forward to to seeing where this one goes, to be honest. Um, Nasruddin and Mavov, again, both of these fighters are sort of, they're very, they've got a lot of hype behind their name and they're coming into the UFC with like a lot of potential. And with a Mavov, he's extremely patient. He'll throw plenty of strikes before, um, so plenty of feints before acting on his reads. He has very good footwork, but he's also light on the feet and most of his strikes are straight and powerful, but tends to enter the pocket aggressively and does tend to eat a fair few shots. And when they do land, he will eventually get finished. So I think with Hawes' sheer explosiveness on the mat and on the feet, I just think he, he's got the credentials and the ability to get the job done. So I think he'll clip Nasruddin you know, inside the first round, but I'm going to go for a second round uh, TKO in favour of Phil Hawes on this one. All right. What about you, Mason? Yeah, I, I like this fight as well. I do enjoy watching Phil Hawes in the cage. Obviously, as James touched on, he lost against Julian Marquez. I think that was back in... 2017 and on the contender series and since then he's gone on a five fight win streak and I believe they've all been via finish and you look at his last fight 18 seconds into the first round against Jacob Malkoon this this one's going to be this one's going to be a good one for Phil Hawes if he can take control and if he can have the fight how he wants it Nasadine Imarvov I don't think he's going to be able to trouble Phil Hawes too much. I'm just going to keep it short and sweet for this one. I'm going to bet Phil Hawes via TKO in the... I'm going to go first round. First round? Yeah. Ooh. It's aggressive. I like it. You see that you see that Nasser Nasser Dean uh, fight time, right? 15 minutes. <laughs> that's, his average, that's his average fight time. So the man knows some defense, that's for sure. Um, mm. Man, this is a this is a really this is about a this might be the closest fight of the night. Eh, it's one of them. Just an absolute coin flip here. Nasruddin opened up minus one hundred nine. Phil Haas minus one hundred five, and they've kind of flip flopped just a little bit. Uh, Nasruddin is plus one hundred one at Pinnacle, and Haas is minus one sixteen. So Vegas gave it to Nasruddin, and then when the money got a hold of it, they flipped it. So that's really interesting. I'm still leaning Nasruddin here. I, I, it's too close to call. So I'm going to wish you guys luck on this one. It's going to be a nail-biter. Indeed. You don't think so, James. You don't think so. You don't think it's going to be a nail-biter. Well, obviously, like I said, there's a lot of hype behind both of their names. And mm-hmm. you touched upon there with Nassau Dean's fight time. If he can sort of survive that early onslaught from Phil Hordes, you know, then maybe he'll sort of grind the second and third round. But I think with Phil Hordes, 
I think he's fought the better sort of level of opponents. I know yeah. they've both got the same exact records, but with Phil Hawes, he's a champion in other promotions. I just think he's fought the high level of competition. And if, like I said, if Marvov can survive the early onslaught, then maybe he can sort of turn it into a scrappy dogfight and make it in a Marvov fight, which obviously he'll want going into the second and third and potentially adding the, the scorecards. Okay. As long as, uh, let's just hope Phil doesn't slip and fall. Let's just pray that doesn't happen. <laughs> what else you got? Uh, next up, I've got Andre Orlovsky versus Tom Aspinall. And again, this is going to be an absolute banger. We sort of, we, we it's, it's, an, it's an odd one, isn't it, really? Because you've seen Andre Orlovsky at some point about, I'd say, a year or two ago, we all thought that loss to Jarzinho Rosenstreich when he was sort of bursting up into the heavyweight contention, that was going to be the end of Andre Orlovsky. He's a former champion. Uh, and this was like a long time ago. <laughs> but um, ever since then, he's on a two-fight win streak following that defeat to Rosenstreich, uh, a dominant win over Philip Linz, followed up by... Um, a victory, uh, another de- a decision victory over Tanner Bosell, which we thought Tanner was going to be the next sort of heavyweight contender pushing up into the top 15. So he's currently on a two-fight winning streak, Karlovsky. And at his age, I mean, you know, fair play to him, 42, he's still going strong. But Tom Aspinall is a bloody killer. And I'm not saying this because of the English bias within me, but Tom Aspinall, he's obviously got the height advantage and the reach advantage going into this one. And Olofsky over the years, he tends to sort of struggle against the heavy hitters. Once you clip and rock Andre Olofsky, the finish is there for the taking. And especially at his age, I just think with the amount of damage he's taken in his career, does he have the ability to survive that like early onslaught from Tom Aspinall? And personally, I don't think he does. I just think with Aspinall, he's just got such ridiculous power in those hands and his last two fights have lasted under two minutes and his first fight in the UFC lasted only 45 seconds <laughs> he's got a significant striking accuracy at 74% and he doesn't absorb a lot of strikes as well Aspinall which is very clever um, I think in this one it's going to be a bit of a, an onslaught, an early onslaught in favour of Tom Aspinall and again this might be the British boss within me but I just think because of his hard hitting power and Andre Lusky He's getting towards the end of his career. I just, I'd be surprised if he lasts the first round, to be honest, just because of that sheer accuracy from Tom Aspinall. So I'm going to go for an Aspinall by a first round TQ. Hmm. Mason, you on this one? Yeah, 100%. I totally agree with everything James said, but this one I'm looking forward to quite a bit just because we've not seen Tom Aspinall tested too much within the UFC, obviously. His first fight back in... Well, it was last year in the UFC, Jake Collier, 45 seconds. And then Alan Bordeaux, which only lasted a couple of minutes. Andre Olofsky, even though he, his age, we've seen in his last fight against Tanner Bolser, he can, he can give it out. So if he's if Olofsky turns up to fight, I think he could give Tom a good fight. And I would like to, I'd, I'd always like to see Tom win, and that's the British, British bias in me, but... I'd like to see him tested to see what he's fully made of within the UFC because we've not seen it yet. But what can you say about Andre Arlovsky? The guy's a legend within the sport, former UFC heavyweight champion. I think this is his 50th pro fight within MMA. And But Tom Aspinall, I think he's, he's a new breed of the British MMA fighters coming through and he's one of the new breeds of the heavyweight fighters. Obviously, you've got Tom Aspinall, Chris Dalkus, Sergei Spivak. They're all on this card as well. I think they're the next wave of heavyweights within the UFC and, well, including Cyril Garn, Rosenstroke as well. 
I think this one, like James said, if I don't think Ojalovski is going to be able to withstand the early onslaught by Tom. I spoke to him this week, Tom, as well, and I just don't. I just think he's too. Conf- I've said it multiple times when I've spoke to a fighter and they're that confident in themselves. I find it very hard to bet against him. And after hearing some of the interviews he's done with other guys, I just don't think I could possibly bet against him. And I'm going to say, same as James, Tom Aspinall, first round knockout. First round knockout. All right. Yeah, yeah, I'm leaning that way with you guys. It's just, it's the minus 247 is just a touch too high for me. But mm-hmm. God damn, Tom, I mean, like 11 significant strikes land, landed per minute. It's like, God damn, just how do you, how do you withstand that? Especially Arlovsky. He's like, he's ancient now. <laughs> he's 41. Like, oh my God, Ugh, this is, might be brutal. So I'm leaning with you guys. This is, the price is a little too high for me. Yeah. All right. James, what else you got? Guess who's back? Back again. My bookie's back. Tell a friend. That's right. DJ's proud to say that we're once again being brought to you by my bookie. But just because they weren't paying us doesn't mean we haven't been giving them some love. I still use my bookie to this date, and you should too. Why? Because March is about to get crazy. Insane. Maybe even a little mad. If you're still on the hunt for a sportsbook to call home, bet the nonstop action of March Madness with my bookie. Enter bracket contests for a chance to take home prizes of up to 25,000 big ones, or pick from a huge selection of straight bets, props, and odds boosts. Whatever your style, MyBookie makes it easy to play your way and get paid. Sign up now, take advantage of their generous welcome offer to score a massive first deposit bonus up to $1,000. All you have to do is use the promo code DEGENS, that's D-E-G-E-N-S, but the fun doesn't stop there. Get up-to-the-minute odds, free bets, and expert predictions to help you decide who to put your money on. The best part about MyBookie, you can bet on anything, anytime, Anywhere, use the promo code DGENS to secure your limited time welcome bonus today. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Uh, I think the final fight I've got is between Jokar uh, Close and Lou Pena. And with Jokar Close, you know, his last fight was against uh, Benil Dariush, and that was almost a year ago, and he hasn't fought since. So his mentality must have been rocked after that, you know, overhand left that caught him against Dariush. There's no shame in losing to Benil Dariush, to be honest with you. I mean, you look at the run he's on at the moment, he's coming off a win against Pereira, um, and he's going to sort of become a top contender within the lightweight division. So there's no shame in losing to Benil Dariush. Jokar Close, in my opinion, I think Mason touched upon it earlier. Off air, Louis Pena is uh, stepping in on short notice. I believe it was Britain's uh, Jai Herbert who was originally supposed to fight Jakar Close. And yeah. with this one, I, I, th- I think this one will go the distance because, like I said, with Louis Pena coming in on short notice and Jakar Close had the full training camp to prepare and then to be told, you know, Jai's going to be dropping out. So we're going to bring in Louis Pena on like just under two weeks' notice. So both mentally and physically, they're both having to prepare for a different fight. And with Louis Pena, I've seen him very vocal on Twitter, wanting to sort of step in on short notice. So fair play to him. He's going to be really tested against Chukar Close, who is probably one or two fights away from sort of becoming a, a top 10 contender within the lightweight division. If Chukar Close can get it done 
uh, this weekend, then he might have like a, a 15, you know, he might be in ranked within the top 15 next to him. So this is a real pressure. The stakes are high for Jakar Close in this one, because like I said, there's just so much riding on Jakar Close. If he can get the job done, then he will get the, the ranking next to him and he will probably get a bigger fight. I just, I don't see how both fighters will get their finish on this one. Personally, Louis Pena, his last fight was a while ago and that was a submission loss to Karma Worthy. I think Jokar Close, out of the pair, he's the better wrestler, but I don't really suspect this fight will take place on the floor. Jokar Close, he picks his shots well. He's a, a very, very, I, don't, I wouldn't say he's a hard, hard hitter, but he's very precise in his striking. He'll tend to sort of land some brutal shots. And he, I think he will outpoint Louis Pena on this one. I don't think he'll be looking for the finish because you don't want to sort of be caught off guard in Louis Pena with his height and reach advantage. He'll eventually catch you potentially if you're too sloppy in the exchanges. So if Jagar Close can sort of outpoint him and get the favourable decision victory, then again, that'll push his way up the lightweight rankings. And that's what he's going to be looking for. So, and you look at both of their average times, I think both of them averaged like <laughs> yeah. 13 minutes. It was just absolutely crazy. So you just know this is going to be a decision victory for one of the two. So I'm going to go for Jakar close fire decision just because he's had the more time to prepare. There you go. Mason. Um, yeah, with this fight, as James, well, as I mentioned off air, Louis Pena coming in on short notice, replacing Jai Herbert, and sometimes it can have an effect on both fighters, but sometimes it doesn't. I think this time it will have an effect on Drakkar Close just because he was, well, he was preparing for Jai Herbert, and I'll keep this one short and sweet as well. I, I, I'm going to lean it, but I agree with James with the close decision. I actually like where James is at. I, I know Dracar. They're asking a lot, like minus 175 in that range right there. Yeah. But I still think he's going to take care of business. Uh, we can get yeah. minus one. We can get minus 170 at my bookie. That's a promo code. Absolute DGen. And uh, yeah, I think I think 170. I don't think that's too high a price to pay, James. I think we should. Uh, I'm going to back him, too. I'm going to jump on Dracar as well. There you go. So I give James at least one stamp of approval. He did all right today. <laughs> all right, Mason, what do you got? Um, I think I've got two more for this weekend's cards. Um, jumping back into the main card, Alexi Olenek and Chris Daukas, obviously, but both guys, great fighters, but Alexi Olenek, Jesus Christ, that guy, how many fights is that guy on now? I think it's coming up to 75, close to that, and that's just in MMA. But, Jesus, he's last. Well, his last fight was, I believe it was Derek Lewis, I think. Yes. And yeah, and he obviously lost that via flying knee knockout in the second round. And obviously, Derek's in the main event tonight. But as I mentioned when talking about Tom Aspinall, Tom, his his self, Chris, Sergey Spivak, there are all the new wave of heavyweights coming into the UFC. And I think if they all get the right fights, within the right time. I think they could all be within the top 10, top 15, well, top 15, top 10-ish by the next 12 months. I think some will be there quicker than others. But I, I like this one for Chris Daukas. I'm not going to lie. Obviously, Olenek's a legend within the sport, as we just mentioned, 75 fights. But Chris Daukas, he's got some power behind them punches. I think he's had one or two fights within the UFC and he's won them both. He had the fight with Parker Porter 
back in August and then he fought in October as well and he won them both by knockout in the first round and I see this going a similar way but I don't see it first round I say I'm going to go for a Chris Dalkus second round TKO alright James you got any thoughts on this one? Honestly, this again, for me, like one of the old fights we touched upon earlier, it's a bit of a toss-up really because Alexi Olenek, his best days are behind him. He's 43 years of age. I mean, that the amount of experience that guy's had inside the Upton is crazy, but maybe that loss to Derek Lewis might have affected him mentally. And I, I just don't know. Maybe he's sort of going to be one of those fighters in the heavyweight division whereby he sort of establishes, establishes himself as a, a gatekeeper towards the top 10. I just don't know. This is really tactical with Chris Dalkus, Like Mason mentioned, he's a very hard hitter. He's fought twice in the UFC already, and then both of them with you know some great finishes against Nascimento and uh, Parker Porter. So this fight can either go two ways: it'll either go Alexi Olenek via submission or a Chris Dalkus via knockout. And I think I'm probably going to lean towards Chris Dalkus on this one, but I'm genuinely torn on this one. I just I cannot call it because Alexi Olenek can submit anybody on his day. But Parker, uh, Chris Dalkus can obviously knock the living daylights out of you within a heartbeat. So, oh, I'd say Chris Dalkus, but I'm not confident. Yeah, yeah. I think Dalkus probably does win the fight. But again, this is a, they're asking minus 185, minus 190. That's a little too high, a little too high. Oh, it's even higher now. Shit, it's minus 190. Whoa, that's laying a little too much for Daukas in my mind. So, I mean, I'm leaning with you there, Mason, but uh, that's too big of a price to pay. Yeah. All right. What else you got? Um, Last one I've got is, uh, well, again, speaking about the new wave of heavyweights, Sergei Spivak and Jared Vanderar. I'm looking forward to this one. I'm thinking, I'm just going to say I think Sergey's going to win, but I think it's how, because obviously he's had some wins via knockout, decision, submission. He's had, he's had all three wins you can have. But the, it's interesting because re- I'm really torn on how he's going to win because I think he's got the power to potentially stop him late on, but I think he could, obviously, if it goes to the ground, submit him whenever it goes to the ground but to be honest if I'm well looking well with his record he's fought guys like Walt Harris Tai Tuvasa Marcin Tybora and he has fought a good level of competition so far but now it's just going to get even harder if he wins this fight obviously I've seen him call out Britain's Tom Aspinall who obviously is fighting on this card as well and I've seen Tom say he's up for that fight and that that's a tough fight in itself. Another young heavyweight, but I'm gonna give a prediction and say I'm gonna say Sergey Spivak via decision, just because I think it will be tough to finish him. But I think if he does, it'll be late on. But I think Jared Va- Jared Vanderar is gonna be able to not drag it out because obviously I don't think he'll have control of the fight. But I think he'll be able to stop himself getting finished within the fight. And I think. Sergey Spivak's just going to control and get the decision victory. All right. James, you got a thought on this one? Yeah, again, this is a, a really tough one. I believe, well, I'm in agreement with Mason with the with the winner, Sergey, of how I just think he's got the, the, the his uh, number, Jared Van Der Rohe's number in this one. I think he'll be making his UFC debut, Jared. He came through the contender series after a, a brutal ground and pound finish over Harry uh, Hunsucker. 
But again, with this one, you look at how he's... Uh, Jared Bandura's record. Two of his four losses have come via submission, and you see with Sergey uh, Spivak, he's very versatile in his approach. He can, he's comfortable wherever the fight goes, and if the fight does go to the floor, then you will most likely see a Sergey Spivak finish. I think this is a sort of step down. With no disrespect to Jared, this is a sort of step down in terms of the level of opponent that Sergey needed because his two professional losses have came to Watt Harris. And uh, Martin Tibera, as Mason alluded to earlier, and they're very, they're top ten contenders at heavyweight. They're very high level fighters. So to be fighting Walt Harris in your UFC debut, which Sergey did, it was it's, it was always going to be a tough task. He's got wins over Taito Ivasa via submission and Carlos Felipe via comfortable decision a couple of months ago. So if Jared can win, the, um, if Sergey can win this one. This is probably going to be the confidence booster he needs mentally to sort of push himself up the top 15 contention and maybe into the top 10 come the near future. So I think with Sergey, he's definitely fought the high level of competition in this one. With Jared, I mean, he'll be looking to impress on his UFC debut, don't get me wrong, because he's came through by the contender series and he'll be doing whatever it takes to try and sort of put his name on the map. But I think, again, it's a toss up on how he's going to finish. Uh, Jared, I'm going to lean towards this submission on this one with uh, Sergey Spivak. I just, I think he will get a finish. I think he will tire Jared Vandera out from the early couple rounds and maybe get the late submission victory. All right, man, it's just a little too high. The Sergey line is minus two forty eight, so <laughs> looks to be pretty one sided. I'm leaning that way with you, Mason, but at, it, the price is just a little too high for me. To trust him, because yeah, yeah. seems to me like this would be a Jared play for you, (laughs) given how you like to bet. Nah, I've I've, um, screwed my head on it, as we'd say. Oh, and I'm I'm gonna earn some money this weekend. I'm not gonna be as confident as James was on the DJ's app, but I'm pretty confident. Okay, good, good. (laughs) All right, I got a couple fights to look at, or a few fights to look at. First off, I want to look at Rafael Alves versus Patrick Sabatini. Uh, Rafael is minus 185, so it's a pretty high, pretty high uh, number there. 65% implied probability, but I've got him handling this fight. I think he's going to win. I think he's going to win fairly dominant. So I'm going to do it. Not scared of the 185. I'm going to bet it, Rafael Alves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm in agreement with you, and I mean this fight is going to take place at 145 at featherweight. And you look at Rafael Alves. I know both of them are making their UFC debuts in this one, but Rafael Alves, uh, Alves, he's got the more experience. And what stands out for me is he's dropping down a weight class. Originally coming into the uh, UFC, he was more of an established lightweight, fighting a featherweight. So he's going to be the bigger bloke physically going into this one, which is going to certainly pay dividends in this one. I think if he can get the, the fight to the floor very early on, then I see Rafael Alves getting the submission victory. So I'm in yeah. total agreement with you on this one. Do you want yeah. to bet it, or are you just kind of leaning that way? Uh, no, I, I would bet it. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, I don't think this happens often on the show, but I think all three of us are in an agreement on this one. I think, obviously, as both of you touched on, well, Rafael Alves coming down a weight class, and yeah, well, I'm going to keep it short and sweet again because I don't, I don't want the show to run on too long with <laughs> us ram- rambling on. But, um, I've still got yeah. some rambling to do there, Mason. Don't you worry. Uh, yeah, yeah. We've we've got to leave a bit on for James to ramble. So I'll keep my portion short and sweet. I'll say Rafael Alves submission. Like you, you go. Boom. There you go. I like it. 
two more fights. I'll be quick. Mm-hmm. I'll be quick myself because they're kind of. I think these fights are tied together. Eddie Wineland versus John Castaneda. Eddie Wineland is plus one hundred five. I think he's yeah. got a shot. I think he's got a, a, a good shot here. So I want to throw some money on Eddie here plus one hundred five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm in total agreement with you. I mean, you look at Eddie's track record. He's fought some some very tough level of competition throughout his career. He's got a, a boatload of experience. I believe he's fought almost 40 professional fights under his belt. You look at John Castaneda, obviously he's got some experience as well. And both men, they're not on the best of runs. I think they're two and three in their last five fights. Mm-hmm. So this is going to be a bit of a, a real test for, for both fighters in terms of their character, because if they lose, then potentially they might get released in this one. And Eddie Wineland, you look at his last fight against Sean O'Malley. I mean, that was a, a brutal right cross KO uh, almost a year ago. So he's going to want to sort of establish himself and prove to the UFC that he's still there or thereabouts and he can get the job done. And this is the sort of perfect test for him. And I don't see a finish just because both fighters are wanting to be a bit cautious in terms of their approach because they lost for them. And in some brutal fashion, we'll know that that will spell the end of their UFC career. So I'm going to go for a one and buy a decision on this one. Is that a bet, or are you just kind of leaning that way? Uh, I'm leaning towards that okay. way. I really don't know what's going on today. We're second time in a row. We're all in a agreement. Obviously, Eddie Wineland last time out, I believe, was Sean O'Malley, and we've seen how that one went. But both, it's going to be a tough get, fight for both. And I agree with James. They're both not on the best of runs, so they're going to want to be cautious and get the win and try and prove to the UFC that they should still be in there. A devastating loss for either guy could cause the end of their spell within the UFC, but I'm going to go for Eddie Wineland by decision as well. Is that a lean, or did you want to throw a few bucks on it? You know, I'll bet that one. You bet that one? Okay. Yeah. I, and I kind of feel like these two are tied together because I think Eddie Wineland's going to win. I think Jared Jared Gordon is going to beat Danny Chavez too, but I just mm. need, I just need one or the other. <laughs> so I'm also betting Jared Gordon here plus he's, it's plus one twenty. So nice little payout there. But I think one of these guys is going to win. There's going to be an upset. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there you go. I'm going to bet on Jared Gordon as well. Yeah, no, no. So I'm, I think you look at Jared Gordon's record. He's been a bit unlucky people are going to look at his four losses and sort of overlook upon him. But you look at his losses there to Charles Oliveira, who's probably going to be fighting for a lightweight title in the very near future. And Diego Ferreira is one of them as well, for a knockout. So I think Jared Gordon is probably going to sort of not potentially cruise, but he'll get the decision victory in this one with Danny Chavez. He's only fought once under the UFC banner against TJ Brown. This is going to be a real tough test for Danny Chavez. And if he gets the job done against Jared Gordon, then fair play, then he might be the next sort of real deal, but I highly doubt it. So I'm still, I'm back in you watch on this one. I'm going for Jared Gordon. You want to bet that one? Or are you just leaning that way? Yeah, I'm getting, I'm leaning towards that way. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, I'm leaning toward. I'm. I'm not going to bet this one, but I'm leaning towards Jared Gordon as well. All right, that's all I've got. So before we close out the show, James, did you have a few thoughts, a few words you wanted to share? Um. Well, with regards to the UFC sort of side, no, not really. But uh, I just want to sort of address the elephant. Well, not in the room, but in the sort of absolute DGen app or the DGen community. You know, Max. When we first, well, I mean, I had my show with you, what, in March? That was my first one, the Charles Oliveira versus Kevin Lee, wasn't it? This is a long time, many, 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 many moons ago. (laughs) But um, 
you know, Max unfortunately couldn't make that one. And I saw him comment under my Twitter post after my uh, absolute degen degeneracy debut, which I was very, very grateful for. He was like, oh, thank you, James. Uh, it's very nice to have you on, son. Oh, I hope to have you on in the near future. I was like, trying to suck me off. And they're like, Max, I'm not going to shag you, love. No, I'm joking. You know, I've, I've called my interest in Max. My uh, From what I've seen in the app, he loves the beef and he loves to sort of get under people's skin. You know what, fair play, I like those type of people because that's what I was like at school. I know I love to get under people's skin, especially in PE. You know, I give it large towards someone before like a rugby game or before a football game. So I get where Max is coming from, fair play to him. But the real absolute neek I want to call out is fucking Baker Cake or Bake the... I don't fucking know what his name is, Bake the Books. I mean, I was I was laughing last night, to be honest with you, when I saw him going through my personal Facebook, uh, go through my friend's Facebook posts and uh, their sort of timeline, their profile. And I know you said, uh, Arch, I think it was like, just be sure, just be careful with uh, your Facebook account. So try and set these uh, your accounts to private. But I didn't want to do that because if you do that, you let these type of people win. You know, they try and get under your skin and fair play to bake a cake or whatever the fuck his name is. He got under my skin a bit. I was, I was laughing, to be honest with you. You know, he, he went through some of my Facebook posts and then I called him out on it because they were taken from like six, seven years ago. Oh, yeah, because I looked the exact same then in like 2015 and I do now, you absolute twat. You absolute <laughs> fucking neat. You're an embarrassment. I called him out on one under one of the comments section. I said, oh, imagine being so insecure that you have to hide your face behind some some fucking chef cartoon sketch. And look what happened, Arch. Look what happens when you stand up for yourself. He deleted it. I haven't heard a peep since. So bake a cake or bake the books, whatever the fuck your name is, you shut your fucking mouth because you're, you're literally so insecure about your persona on Absolute Degen. You know, when you post a, a profile picture of what you absolutely look like in real life, I can guarantee you, I bet for a fact, I know for a fact, you look like Alan from The Hangover, but a more fat and uglier <laughs> version. And that's disrespectful to the actor, Zach. I feel sorry for calling him that and comparing him to Baker Cake. So just be careful of what you say next time, because you may call me ugly, you may call me what have you, but I don't look the same. This is like six, seven years ago. Your comment is invalid, you stupid neat. Now fuck off. There you go. That's what I had to say, sorry. And you can get <laughs> Excuse all that, my French. Yeah, you can get all that kind of stuff on the Sports Sesh podcast. <laughs> Not quite. Parental guidance. Parental guidance. My, my parents watch it. Well, I say that my parents. My mum watches it, so I've got to okay. be careful. Got to be careful. Oh, boy. Howdy. Still going don't, on, though, right? Don't. Yeah, indeed. I, I, before we... Before we mention that, I just want to say, Rich, I, I, I'm respectfully calling you out. I, I, I don't want any of that, them words being used. Okay, okay. Just respectfully call <laughs> Rich up. But you're still yeah. going to beat up a senior citizen. Come on. like you know, Rich pays I, lower prices at restaurants and movies. I mean, if I'm going <laughs> to secure the bag. Oh, that's true. That's true. <laughs> listen, listen, Rich. Uh, I can tell you for a fact, Mason claps from the plane lands. That's all you need to know. That's wow. embarrassing right James, I, I was going to stick up for you, but you know what? I, I'm, a, I'm on Max's side. I'm on oh. Max's you know, side. I'm calling out, I'm calling out Baker K. I, I've got respect for Max now. <laughs> oh, no, I don't think I could be on his side, though. That's right. Us British stick together. Yeah. Know, Mason, at the end of the day, it's just banter. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, good. All fun and games. All right, boys. Sports Sash links to follow you guys on twitter i don't put your facebook links up there just on twitter <laughs> yeah so all right keep them coming keep the trolls coming all right get the hell out of here cheers man
Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owner-operators of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.